The Gospel can be found on page 23 in the New Testament section of our Pew Bible. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 13th chapter. Jesus put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the, seed, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to the master, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? The master answered, An enemy has done this. The slave said to him, Then do you want us to go out and gather them? But he replied, No, for in gathering the weeds you would uproot the weed along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Then Jesus left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples approached him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. Jesus answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the Son of Man, the field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Just as the weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will collect out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers, and they will throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of the Father. Let anyone with ears listen. The Gospel of the Lord. I invite you all to be seated. So when, when I was younger and I, I used to hear things very literally, I, uh, I imagined, and I, and I said this last week too, so if, if y'all heard something, well, y'all didn't hear it because I was somewhere else. I forget sometimes I'm church. So this is brand new for y'all. Pretend I didn't even say that. So... When I, when I was younger and used to hear things more literally, you know, I, I heard this as there are good people and there are bad people, right? And last year, you know, or last week, we had the parable of the sower who scatters seed and there's good soil and rocky soil and hard soil. And on good soil, it produces uh, fruit, uh, plants with deep roots. And on rocky soil, it produces tall plants with no roots so they wither quickly. And on hard soil, it, it doesn't grow at all, right? And in that one too, I remember thinking there are good people and there are bad people and God's going to get those bad people. As I think about it, and we hear the psalm today, you know, isn't, isn't that something we kind of see in the psalm too? I love the psalms for a lot of reasons. One reason is because if you're in a time of struggle and suffering and frustration, the Psalms have some of the most honest speech about what it's like to struggle and suffer out of the entire Bible. You know, they, they talk about faithfulness in a time of doubt, faithfulness in a time of pain, faithfulness in a time when we feel like we're utterly alone, and God is our rock and our salvation. Also in the Psalms, my, my humanity really gets a kick out of seeing things like what I saw today in the psalm, which is, uh, you know, obviously I am righteous, and the people who are against me are, are accursed of God. They hate God, and isn't it convenient that God hates them too? You know, it's, the psalms are also very human to me because they represent the thing that I want. 
I want for God to be for the things I'm for and against the things that I'm against. You know, I want God to be against the people that I'm against. I want God to to take those people who would stand against me, you know, not that I've ever had any people mad at me, you know, but imagine a circumstance in which someone might be mad at me. I want God to be mad at them too, and that not that what the Psalms talk about? God avenging our anger? Sometimes. I think, though, that when we read the gospel, and when I read it with more adult ears, I don't read it quite so literally as I used to. You know, when I read it with my adult ears... I, I hear in that, not just that there are good people and there are bad people and those bad people are going to be swept away and suffer the unquenchable fire and us good people, you know, we call us Lutherans, we are going to be lifted up and shine like the sun, right? And there's that promise that we will be lifted up through the death and resurrection of Jesus, through our participation in God's kingdom, through baptism, that we are a part of God's chosen people. But I also recognize within myself that part of me that, like Jacob, which we, who we talked about during the children's sermon, wants to run away, feels alone, feels doubtful, feels isolated, who feels like, you know, maybe the only thing I'm worth is putting my head on a rock as a pillow, because that's kind of who I am. And I see in myself not just the weakness that God creates in me through the waters of baptism. But I feel pretty weedy too. I, I find a lot of places within myself where if I were to try to uproot those bad parts of me by myself, by my own power, then I would probably mess up and root out those good parts too. But, you know, let's go back to literal for just a moment. You know, we think about good people and bad people. When I was a kid... I was one of those people who was hyperactive. I was always talking. I was the kid in class who was drumming on my desk all the time, right? Because I couldn't sit still. I was, I was the kid who got kicked out by teachers in Sunday school and in school. I was the one who I heard a teacher say to me, he's either going to be a pastor or he's going to jail. You know, there's, there's not a whole lot of in between. And, you know, I, I remember just feeling so down on myself all the time. I felt like I was a bad person because I didn't sit still well, because I didn't listen well, because I didn't know how to study well, because of all those things that you have to be good at when you're a kid, I was bad at all of them, except for the things that involved moving around like marching band and ROTC. I did those pretty well. But I remember what it was like to feel like I was a pretty crummy kid for most of my life. And, and not only that, but because I couldn't sit still, my grades weren't always what they what my parents wanted. So I spent probably from the time I was in about third grade until college grounded in some way, shape, or form. And so not only did I hear it in school, I heard it at home too. Now my parents didn't tell me I was a terrible kid. They just said I should apply myself and try harder and you know all those things that our parents tell us we should do. But I just remember feeling so worthless for a lot of my childhood. I also remember a lot of those bad kids who, who were in my school and a lot of those good kids in my school, you know, the ones who, the ones who grew up and they were, they were in all the Christian clubs and they went to church every week and all this stuff and talked about Jesus this and Jesus that. And it's interesting to see what happens as we grow up to be adults. You know, some of those people who talked about Jesus all the time because they were just absolutely on fire, you know, some of those people are people with crazy lives now. Some of those people who were the bad kids, they're people who have turned out 
to have really good lives. You know, there are people who have stable marriages, and there are people who have kids, and they have good... You know, it's, it's interesting to see. You just can't tell who somebody is going to turn out to be from looking at them in their childhood. You know, and a lot of times, I think I am so good at telling who's good and telling who's bad and telling who's in and telling who's out. And we have developed in our culture entire systems for telling who's good and who's bad, right? You're good if you believe this. You're good if you agree with me politically. You're good if you agree with me theologically. You're good, at, and notice most of these are about me and not really about anyone else, right? We, we think that we're so good at identifying who's good. And then we look at the people who listen to Jesus. There's that really important phrase, let the one who has ears listen. You know, and I hear this, and I find it to be so important because there are times in my life where people will tell me things that really are common sense. You know, don't do this because it'll turn out bad. Well, that's the thing I'm going to do, right? That's the very thing that I want nothing more than to do, that I, I guarantee you, especially if mom and dad told me not to do it, that was the thing I was going to do first. Sometimes, no matter how someone warns you, no matter how someone tells you, no matter how someone begs or pleads with you, you're just going to make the bad decision because you don't have ears to hear what they, they have to say. Sometimes because we turn on our blinders. Sometimes because the relationship we have with that person blinds us. Sometimes because the things we assume about that person blinds us. But it has the same effect, doesn't it? When, when we do those things, maybe afterwards we realize they might have been right af- after all, and we maybe should have listened to them. And then there are those times where, you know, I, I hear what somebody says so clearly because they're speaking my language they're, they're speaking in a way that I'm able to hear. And those are the times where I actually do listen, where I do pay attention. And we have people like that throughout our lives. We have those people who, who speak our language and who are able to, to say to us in the language of our heart those things that we need to hear. You know, I like to talk about meeting my wife for the first time. And for maybe the first time in my life, I felt like I met somebody who understood me. We spent six or seven hours at what used to be Courtyard Coffee House on State Street in Columbia, talking and playing rummy, and it felt like in some ways the first real conversation I'd ever had in my entire life, because finally somebody got me, and I was so interested in her too, and it was like finally somebody understands my language. Let the one who has ears listen, because some people are going to be able to hear the gospel. And, and they're going to be able to, through you, hear these words of Jesus, hear, hear these instructions, hear these warnings, hear these things that Jesus has to say, and they're going to be able to say, finally, I get it. And there are going to be some people that we deal with, sometimes they go to our church, who no matter what they say, how much they beg, how much they plead, will never be able to understand what they have to say. Or no matter how much we beg, how much we plead, or how much we try, they'll never be able to understand us. You know, this is, this is what makes it so difficult to figure out who is wheat and who is weeds because we are limited to our own perspective. We only see what we see, and most of the time we only see the things that confirm our biases about who those people are. And so we don't have any good way to judge who's in, who's out. Only God knows. To think a little more figuratively again, you know, I recognize within myself those places that hear the words of Jesus 
and it speaks my language that I have been longing to hear and that I have just been praying that somehow I would be able to be reassured or somehow I would be able to know or somehow I would just be able to understand. And in those moments, it's like the light has been turned on for me. And then there are those other moments where those weedy places creep up. Or maybe they're the weedy places that I've fertilized because they're the fun places too. And, and I realize that I've been going the wrong way all along. It's not easy. So we hear this gospel, and, and what do we hear? We hear that in this world, God has tilled the soil of the people that God is creating and is allowing wheat and weeds to grow up together. And even though we, you know, we like the old military saying, kill them all and let God sort them out, well, that's not our job. Our job is not to decide who is wheat and who is weeds. Our job is not to say who is in and who is out. Our job is not to say these people over here are special kinds of sinners, and so we need not the choir, just kind of in general. You know, and we sorry, and we need to make sure that that they. How about this? We need to make sure that they never get a place in our place, right? Because there is nothing that God has equipped us with to be able to tell who those people are. But instead, we have been called to the difficult task of loving everybody and tending the garden that God is planting and loving the people that God has planted there. Whether they're those scary people or whether they're people who don't believe like us or whether they're people who, God forbid, don't vote like us or, whether, or whatever our hang-up is, those are people who God is calling us to love. And our job is to figure out how to live in community with these people. How is it that we share with them that truth of faith that was what God has in store for this world is true for these people too? And that we're not the only ones who have a handle on this gospel that God has gifted to us. As we go out into this world today, into our neighborhoods, where we have friends and neighbors who need so desperately, whether they go to church or not, to hear that good news that they are children of God too. Or whether we're in our workplace dealing with that one person who really especially frustrates us. Or whether we're in school. Or whether we're in our homes. Or whether we're in our congregation and we experience conflict. Our call is to remember that the people of God are all both wheat and weeds. And we have been called to tend to the weediness within each person by fertilizing what is wheat with love and tending to the weeds with the same care as our Father has instructed us. I don't know about y'all, but this is hard for me because I really like liking the people who I like. You know, I, I find it really difficult to love people who are acting kind of unlovable. And I really do like the Psalms that, tell, that say, you know, God smite those people who are frustrating me. Doesn't that make me feel good? But this is gospel for me too because it reminds me that I don't have to be in charge of this. I don't have to be the judge because God is the judge. The only thing that I'm called to do at this point is to tend the soil of my own heart and do my best to fertilize that within me which bears fruit and to allow those who are able to speak to the gospel to me fertilize those parts of me too. How is it that we can go out and tend this field that is the world this week 
by giving up those things that scare us and giving up those things that separate us and giving up on the idea that God's for our side but not for their side. And instead, digging into the fact that this is the world that God loves and is creating the world that God cares for and is caring for. That the world is not some scary place where all these bad things happen, but that the world is a place of great opportunity and hope because God is there before us and among us and around us, within us and through us. And everyone we meet, everywhere we go, in everything that we do, we have this opportunity to be the ones who bear God's kingdom for a world who needs so desperately to hear that good news that they are people who can have that weedy love of God too. How will we do this this week? How will we live it out? How will you be able to answer this amazing opportunity that God has given you to be light and salt and food for the world? Amen.